0: you're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Let's open up to Psalm 30 tonight. Psalm 30, as we continue through the Psalms here on our Wednesday night studies, you know, we've just been going through and camping out in the Psalms and having those sweet Selah moments here on these summer nights here. That's just been such a joy for me, just to come here and worship and bask in what the Lord wants to say. And relate to what the psalmist write for us there in the Psalms. Like, it's such a good thing just to understand that the emotion, the feelings, the crying out to the Lord uh, that went into these Psalms, man, we can experience that same type of life as we walk through this Christian life as well. And so I'm excited tonight. We're just going to be camping out in Psalm 30 tonight, um, and it's going to be really good. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for what the Lord wants to do. So let's pray real fast. Let's pray and that we will get into Psalm chapter 30. So, Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. And God, I just praise you for what you want to do here. Lord, as we are here, as we've worshiped, as we've gotten into the, as, and now as we're about to get into the word, Lord, I just pray that you would just be with us. want I pray that you would just work on us, that we all would have open hearts ready to receive from you, Lord. And I pray that in this time, God, you would move and you would work. And I'm so thankful that we can expect you to do so. That, God, your word says that we can expect for you to work on us and in us. And so, Lord, I pray right now, just selfishly, that you would help me, God, to teach your word effectively only for your glory and only for the going forward of your mission. That, Lord, we would be a people who are sparked to work and to do for you as you've called us to do. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, getting into Psalm 30 tonight, building a little context of this psalm, David wrote this, and it's a psalm of thanksgiving. And he wrote it in response to the Lord for a reason that scholars are split on, actually. See, you may see there in the title that it says a psalm, a song of dedication of the house of David. Now, your translation, depending on what you have, it may say house, it may say temple, or it may even say palace. And the reason for this is the Hebrew word used there is so close that scholars are unsure if it is written after David either one took the city of David in 2 Samuel 5, and there he built his palace, thus making this a song of dedication of his personal palace or house. Or if it follows on the other side, in the other camp, if it follows the sin and restoration of David that we see in 2 Samuel 24, or 1 Chronicles 21, there where David wrongfully took a census of the nation of Israel and the Lord brought judgment there upon the people, after which we see David going to the threshing floor of Ornan and purchasing that spot where he there erected an altar in a place that would one day in the future become the spot of the Holy of Holies in the temple that his son Solomon would build. Now I I personally lean towards the latter because of the attitude of reflection we see in David here in the psalm, but you know what? Scholars are are divided and so it's not a deal breaker, and we can continue on through the psalm and just learn from it and learn from what we're actually going to see in the text tonight. And as we move through this short little psalm tonight, we're going to see David experience newness or a new beginning in four different ways. We're going to see this psalm of thanksgiving really reflect a new beginning in David's heart. And that happens in four different ways. If you're taking notes or you want a way to remember or to think through this as we move, we're going to see David first have a new position in verses 1 through 3. That's going to move into a new prompting in verses 4 through 5. In verses 6 and 10, we'll see a new perspective and then a new praise as we wrap up the psalm in 11 through 12. So a new position, a new prompting, a new perspective, and a new praise. We're going to see David experience all of these tonight as we move through Psalm 30. And so with that, let's finally get into the text tonight. Let's look and start out with David in a new position there. Pick it with me in verse 1, where David says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. You have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Opening up tonight, we see David praising the Lord for a new position. And he does so by giving us images of being rescued by the Lord from where he was previously and where he is now. You see, David says there opening up, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And this opening invokes an image of David praising the Lord for rescuing him, for saving him. And as he mentions there three things that he has felt, the Lord lifted him up and set him apart from. The first one that we see is he feels a deliverance from all of his foes that would have rejoiced over him falling. See, a consistent petition of David was the deliverance from the evil of his enemies. Whether it was from the Philistines or maybe the pursuing of King Saul in his early days or later in his life even where he would have trouble from within his own house. As he would have a son who would rebel against him. As he would at times have contention within his own home. David's life was marked by conflict and he recognized the reality of an enemy in his life the reality of opposition and warfare. And with that came the plea often from David of deliverance and help from the Lord. But along with the petition of help came the praise and the victory. David here is exalting and thanking the Lord for the safe place that he feels in the Lord. He is praising the Lord for not allowing his enemies to have victory over him. He feels this new position. He's in a place of safety from his enemies. But the next thing that he thanks the Lord for is his deliverance from a sickness within him that caused great distress. See, David praises the Lord next for the work of healing in his life. Now, whether this was a physical or spiritual restoration and healing, it's not said. But either way, he believed that this sickness would have led to his demise. And David feels the need to praise the Lord in the healing. To praise the Lord for removing the sickness and the anguish that he felt, whether it was physical, spiritual, or mental. David praises the Lord for healing, for restoring him, for restoring him and putting him in a position that is no longer afflicted. So David praises the Lord for deliverance from his enemies. He praises him for healing him, for bringing and restoring him out of great distress. But the last thing that David praises the Lord for is bringing him out of a feeling of separation from the presence of God in the grave. And really the whole thought behind his praise is right here. As David praises the Lord for not letting him be separated from him permanently, that he was not allowed to go down to the pit or to the grave separated from God, and looking at this psalm in the realm of a new beginning, I believe after great sin that David had committed, David felt the pain of this deeply. Like his conscience was convicted and broken so deeply that he felt and he felt that he would be forever separated from the Lord. That separation was real, and he felt it and he felt that hey, if this separation continues, I won't be able to last. But at the end of this chastening, the new beginning, the position that David realizes he is in with the Lord, uh, who has brought him through the chastening of the pain, leads him to praise and exalt the Lord. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. David praises him in a new beginning, praises God in a new beginning, there with a new position. And this exaltation, this new position of praise brings about in David now a prompting, in verses four through five. Pick it with me there in verse four, where David says, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In this new position of praise that David has, He now engages the reader, or in that day, uh, what would have been a congregation. And he engages and invites them into an attitude and a posture of lifting praise up to the Lord. And we see in verse 5 a contrast that serves as the motivation for David's praise. And maybe for yours and mine here tonight as well. Where David speaks of a contrast, a movement of experiencing God's anger to experiencing his favor or of a reality that weeping may be present, but only in the night. And there is joy that comes in the morning. You see, the reason for David's praise is the knowledge and real experience in the temporary state of God's anger towards him. It was for a moment. Now, it it was real and it was painful, but it was only through the night. Joy and restoration, that came in the morning. And David invites the congregation he invites us the reader those who would be listening to this psalm to praise the lord for his enduring love and favor again so too are we invited by this prompting to praise the lord tonight as well to praise the lord in our lives as well to realize that the mercies of god the love and the joy that comes in our knowing and surrendering to him man that's real and forever And we can experience and have that. And being in that new beginning, in that position where David is speaking from, he's prompted to praise. He's prompted to invite others to praise along with him. And so too should we have that as well. And David, as he continues to move on, now he's going to give us real insight into why he holds this position of praise. As he explains this new perspective that he has gained through the whole situation that caused him to write this psalm. Pick it with me there in verse 6, where David says, Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. And you hid your face, and I was troubled. So I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. This series of verses is where the story that birthed this psalm really began. And we see in verses 6 and 7 the insight, the new perspective that David gains as a result. You see, it was David's pride that made it necessary for the Lord to chasten him. See, the word their prosperity in the Hebrew is the word shalev. And it's a tone or attitude that carries about that of one of careless ease or self-assurance because of good circumstances around you. See, David had a wrong, wrong perspective in the situation. He said in his pride and carelessness that he would never be moved, perhaps, you know, as trusting in the results of the census that was taken in 2 Samuel 24 or in 1 Chronicles 21. Boasting in self-confidence and the confidence of the numbers of the people, David said in his heart, or perhaps out loud, that he would never be moved. He was powerful. But on the other side, with a heavenward perspective, he proclaims that it was the Lord's favor that made him strong. It was the Lord that established him strong and resolute like a mountain. Now, I I don't know if you know this about me, but I absolutely love mountains. I do. I, I think they are the coolest thing on planet Earth. I mean, everything else is second or third or last in my mind when it comes to mountains. And my wife, man, poor her. She has to endure me thinking about and talking about mountains all the time. Like whether, you know, I come back from a bike ride and I'm like, man, I really wish I had a mountain to climb today. Or, you know, we're sitting at the house. She's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, oh, I want to go rock climbing. Like, I love mountains. I absolutely do the reason that I do, like the reason that I love mountains so much is because of how big, how resolute, and how strong they are. Like I look at a mountain, I look at a mountain range, which I do often. I, I Google image mountains often. And when I do, I look at that and I say, man, God put those there. And it's only God that can move those. Like I look at mountains and I say, man, God put those there and it's only the Lord that can remove those mountains. And for David, he has this new perspective now of realizing that whatever he had, whoever he was, it was because of the Lord. And so oftentimes I know for me, I fit into the other camp that David was in where I look at my accomplishments, I'm a list type of guy and man, I'll, I'll pick up a list whether it's like a, the small grocery list that my wife sends me to the store with or the honey list or whether it's my big project list that I have always going or my life goals list. And as I tick things off of that list, man, I'm like, yeah, Justin did that, yeah, I did that. I have a proclivity to look at myself and say, yeah, I did that because I'm awesome. I'm where I'm at because I'm amazing. I'm where I'm at because of the people around me, not because of the right perspective that I should have where I say I'm where I'm at because God has me, because God brought me here. I'm where I'm at because of the Lord. I'm where I'm at because of what the Lord has done in my life, not because of me, but because of who He is. Now we have a responsibility in that where God calls us to follow Him and to trust Him and obey Him, but But it's God who holds us. It's God who has us. It's God who makes us to stand strong. And on the other side, again, with this heavenly perspective, David here proclaims that it was the Lord's favor that had made him strong. It was the Lord that had established him strong and resolute like those mountains that we see that God can only move. And he explains and realizes this perspective further by the last line of verse 7, where he says, you hid your face and I was troubled. You see, to say that God hid His face means that God had removed blessing; He had removed protection, and allowed consequence of sin to be realized. You see, following in the context of why this psalm was written, if it was after the sin of the census that was taken by David, this was a result of consequence uh, that that God had put on the nation of Israel. There, see, there in that story, David tooks, takes the census and god um, goes to gad who is david's prophet and he says hey you need to go to david you need to go to david and say that he's got three options that i forgive him but man he's got he, there are consequences for sin and he has three options there can either be famine there can be the 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 falling in the falling in the hands of david's enemies or i can judge him for 3 days there can be plague on the nation for 3 days and david here he looks and he says okay i definitely don't want famine and I'm I don't trust my enemies nearly as much as I trust God. I want to be in the hands of a merciful God. And God allows a plague to move into the nation of Israel where 70,000 people are killed. And David there feels trouble. He says, you hid your face and I was troubled. Now, David writes by saying that again, he was troubled. And the word in the Hebrew is bachel. And this is a word that speaks of deep agony terror or anguish. You see, David gained a new perspective through circumstances that he put himself in because of his sin. And he experienced a troubled heart as a result of his pride and that prompted him to cry out to God in verses 8 and 9. Notice there where he's open and raw. Like in verses 8 and 9, what does he say? He says, I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Like, man, I, I, I got to say, I read this and man, David is, David is raw right here. He's so raw. And it's kind of in a way that takes me back where I'm like, wow, David, like the audacity of what David says here. Like uh, He looks at God and says, man, God, if, if I'm gone, who is there to praise you? If I'm gone, then then who's gonna who's gonna be giving you praise? Like, what profit is there for me to return to the dust that I came out of? You know, we talk often here about how the Psalms are are raw, and man, this is this is this is an example of that. David sometimes he gets raw and rowdy in the Psalms, and this right here is no different. He is open, and he's raw before the Lord, and he's raw in a way that we're invited to be raw with God as well. And you know what? I would challenge you with that tonight. I challenge myself with it to realize the reality that, hey, God knows my heart anyways. Why wouldn't I pour it out to him? David here pours out his heart and shares of what his agony was as he felt troubled by the absence of the Lord's protection in his life. And he, he says that he cries out and says, God, if I go, who, who's there to praise you? If I go, then you have no one else. But then verse 10 comes. In verse 10, as he's had his his raw emotional party there with the Lord, and he's cried out to God, he realizes at the end of it what we see there in verse 10. See, David realized and gained perspective that he needed to go to the Lord. And there in verse 10, he says, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. What we see is David realized and gained perspective. He gained perspective into the reality that he was king of a strong kingdom because of the Lord and how the Lord had enabled him to be that. When he thought highly of himself, then the Lord showed him the reality of who he was, that he was just dust. And so David on the other side humbled himself, confessed his sin, and the Lord forgave him and restored him. Which brings us now to David's response to that forgiveness in verses 11 through 12. If We see his new praise. Pick it with me in verse 11, where David says, "'You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. "'You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness "'to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. "'O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever.'" The, the ending of this psalm shows the heart of David. That once he realized that he was forgiven and accepted, knowing that God had forgiven him, that his mercy was upon him, he moved from the posture of mourning to a rhythm of dancing and praising. Realizing now that the night had passed, that mercy and favor were applied, David removes the sackcloth that he had closed himself with, and then he clothes himself with gladness with joy there in the Lord. And not only for a moment, notice that, but he proclaims that this this feeling, this reality, it's a lifestyle. This new praise to the Lord would be the posture of his life forever. David says that he would give thanks to the Lord forever. And what is amazing about this new praise, this new perspective, this new prompting, and this new position Is that david sees it all from the lord i want you to notice that key in on the the trend of psalm 30 where david says seven times you have in reference to the lord acting there in verse one god david says to god you have lifted me up in verse two he says you have healed me in verse three he says you have brought my soul up from the grave. And again in verse 3, he says, you have kept me alive. In verse 7, he says, you have made my mountain strong. And in verse 11, he says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. And then again in verse 11, he says, you have put off my sackcloth and have clothed me with gladness. See, David, in this new beginning, and the psalm of thanksgiving bears witness up to the strong and gracious hand of the Lord throughout this entire text. That even in the chastening, the hiding of his face from David, David sees the gracious, loving, and merciful hand of God. So much so that all he can do is lift up and praise the Lord, exalt the Lord in thanksgiving. And, and again, through this text we have moved through tonight, we have seen David have, again, a change of position. Where he now extols and praises the lord for bringing him up out of the pit out of death and out of despair and setting him in a new place where he says all i can do is praise you and this new praise has what it has done it has caused him to want to prompt others to worship as well as this would have been read to a congregation and as we are the readers look here and say man i am prompted to praise god for what he has done for knowing that his favor is forever that Mourning and weeping is in the night, but oh, there's joy in the morning. And all this is because he gained a new perspective from a life experience that he had with the Lord. And as a result, a song of praise, a lifestyle of praise has come about because of the goodness of God birthed in his life. David sees what the Lord has done, what the Lord did, and he pinned this Psalm out of thanksgiving to that that we could read it and apply it to ourselves as well. And so now where we fit into all of this and what this should do to us is cause us to look at ourselves tonight, to look at ourselves tonight and say, where are we positionally tonight? Where are you at? Where are you positionally? Are you like David who at the start of this psalm is praising God because he has rescued him from the pit, from sickness and from the enemy? Again, just like David was so aware of the hardship and the warfare of this world, so too should we be as well. And we should be aware of the battle that is raging for our souls. That we have an enemy that is seeking to destroy us. We have an enemy in Satan who is after us. We have an enemy within ourselves too, our flesh that is constantly warring, wanting to draw us closer to sin and away from God. And I ask you tonight, where are you? And I'm asking myself as well, where are we? Are we seeing victory over the enemy? Are you fighting even from a place of victory? What is your position tonight? Can you say like David that you have been pulled out of the pit? Can you look to the Lord and say, man, I extol you because because you've pulled me out. Not only where are you positionally, but what are you prompted to do tonight? What are we prompted to do? Do you have within you, do we have within us as David did, a prompting to go and to praise the Lord and to invite others to do the same? Do you yourself have a prompting in your own heart tonight to worship God? See, David was prompted by the work of the Lord in his life to worship and invite others to worship God. Has the Lord truly worked in your life that you feel prompted to worship him as well? Where are you at positionally? What are you prompted to do? But also, what is your perspective tonight? Is your perspective like that of David where he looked at himself, when he looked at what was around him and thought, man, I'm awesome, Look at the strength that I have. And again, I, I speak to myself tonight and I'm challenged by this because this is often where I sit, where I look at my accomplishments, I look at, uh, at what I bring to the table and I'm like, yeah, God's, God's lucky to have me sometimes. But in reality, the perspective that I need to have, that we need to have is that, man, we are so blessed to have the Lord on our side. Amen? Amen. We're so blessed to have the Lord with us, to have the Lord on us and leading us and who wants to establish us strong and resolute like a mountain. He calls us and includes us and wants to include us in his work. But it's, what, it's, it's, it's because of the Lord. It's because of what God does. It's not because of us. Now we have a responsibility. We're called to work and to do and to move according to how the Holy Spirit leads us and according to how the word directs us but it's God who strengthens us. It's God who makes us strong and resolute like a mountain. So is your perspective one through the lens of the Bible, through knowing that God is the one who's in control or is it focused on you? And I think all of these things can hinge on the next question. And that is, who are you praising tonight? You see, David wrote this Psalm in response to the Lord working in his life. He wrote it coming out of chastening, seeing the Lord pull him up out of trouble and he brought, that he brought upon himself because he was praising himself. And he wrote it and was prompted to invite others to praise as well, knowing that it was the Lord who brought joy, whose name is holy, whose mercy and favor are for a lifetime. And see, David realized that after he had gone through chastening, he wrote it realizing with a new perspective, a heavenly perspective, that it was God who was worthy of praise. It was God who gave, who takes away, and it's God who makes us strong and who causes us to rise and to move as well. And so I ask you and I ask myself again tonight, who, who are you, who are we praising? Because for us, like David, God has pulled us up out of a pit. And he's given us a place to fight from victory in Jesus Christ that we may look and be prompted to invite others to worship and praise him as well. And our perspective in that is that of knowing that it's because God was and is strong for us. It's not because of who we are, but it's because of what God has done. It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus' finished work on the cross that we can look to the Lord and say like David, I will extol and I will worship you. I will exalt you, God, because of who you are and because of what you've done and because of where you have brought me. It's because of Jesus that we can say, You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. And maybe for someone, maybe for some of us here tonight, this is a reminder. That's a reminder that we need to realign our perspective. Maybe though it's the first time you've ever heard this truth. That it's Jesus who is strong, that it's Jesus who can turn our mourning into dancing and our sorrow into praise. And if that is you tonight, if you're hearing this for the first time, then I would invite you to know that Jesus loves you. I don't know if this is a word for someone, but Jesus absolutely loves you. And he came to this world because of that radical love to save you to turn your mourning into dancing, to give you a new heavenly perspective, to pull you out of a pit that you don't have the ability to pull yourself out of, to set you on a place of security in him that he puts you in as you believe and as you trust in him. He came, he died on the cross for your sin and for my sin, for the sin of the whole world, that you would put your trust in him, confess your sin and follow him with all that you have. And if that's you tonight, man, I, I, I would love to talk to you about that. I'd, I'd stop right now and talk to you about that. If there's anyone in here, they would love to talk to you about that as well. Maybe this is a new thing for you. But for some of you, maybe most of you tonight, this is a reminder. A reminder that it's God who causes us to rise. That it's God who strengthens us and gives us the victory and the power in this life. And should we neglect that truth, maybe thinking of ourselves or our sin as better than what the Lord has? Or should we think that the way our world is going is because we are awesome and that God is not in control, that he's there, that yeah, if we need him, he's, he's got our back, but hey, it's us who's running the show. Know that God in that mindset, in that heart, will allow chastening to come into your life so that we will say, no, it's not me. He will allow things into your heart and mind, into your life. He will allow things to come your way that will, like David say, man, you hid your face and I was troubled. I realize that it's you. It is you, God, who make me strong. It is you, God, who makes me strong and unmovable like a mountain. And if that's you tonight, maybe this text has has brought that to light. Maybe the Holy Spirit's worked on your heart and life and you're like, yeah, that, that is what I'm doing. I have been looking inwardly at myself and the Lord has been showing this to me through the word. And I love how God does that. I love how God, as we sit under him and we sit just under his word and read his word, allow it to work on us, the Holy Spirit convicts us and we can realign, we can realign our heart and life. And he's so gracious and loving and he wants us to come to him. And so if that's you and you've realized tonight hearing this that, hey, yeah, I, I do have a different perspective than what I'm supposed to have then. Come to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord as David did. God's there for you. He wants to work in your life. He doesn't doesn't want to be against you. He's not against you. He loves you. He absolutely loves you and wants you to come to him. So if you've realized that, do that. But maybe you're here tonight and you've been in a season where you've realized that, hey, I I am running the show. That you've been doing willingly Saying to yourself, Yes, I am strong. Whether you've been holding on to a a, a you centered perspective, or maybe you've been holding on to a sin, whether it's open or and blatant or hidden, and you're saying, Yeah, I am okay with this, I'm okay with this where I'm at right now. I'm okay with the state. I'm okay with the chastening. And can I exhort you? Can I exhort you tonight as I exhort myself? And sometimes I feel that way as well when I think that, yeah, I'm okay with being the boss. Give give control back to the Lord. Put God where He belongs, and that's at the center of your life. Realize and remember that it is God who makes you strong, that it's God who makes you resolute, and that nothing is better than that. There is no sin that is better than being in the presence of God. There is no amount of control that you try to take that is better than what God wants to do with your life. I exhort you as I exhort myself, repent of that. Come to the Lord, cry out to Him in the same way that David did say, hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. And he's so willing to do so. He's so willing and so kind just to come and to to correct, to forgive, and to, to move us forward with him. I exhort you, friend, do as David did. Cry out to the Lord and ask him to cleanse and forgive you and restore you. Because for all of us tonight, we have a God who loves us who wants to save us, who wants to turn our mourning into dancing, to change our sackcloth into gladness, and who is worthy of all thanksgiving and praise. And David realized that. That's why this this psalm is written. Because David realized that it was God who has done the work, that it's God who was worthy of the praise for pulling him out of the distress that he was in. That it's God who is worthy of us to go and to prompt others as David would have prompted others to praise the Lord as well. That it's the perspective that God wants us to have of him being in control that is necessary and needed. And in that reality, we have praise. We have praise that comes from within our lives that we lift up to the Lord and say, God, you're it, you're it forever. And I worship you, I thank you, I love you, God. And I will extol you and praise you, not just for now, but for life. God wants us to have that. We're exhorted through this psalm to have that. And so tonight, as, as, we, as we end this time in the text, as we end this time in the word, and move into a time of worship and reflection, I, I invite you all. The Lord invites you all, as he does to all of us any time we crack open the word to search our hearts, to allow the Lord to search our hearts and say, God, where am I? What is my position tonight? Am I in a position of saying, yes, Lord, I, I, I am fighting from a place of victory. I stand on a place where you have pulled me out of and put me on. What are we prompted to do tonight? Are you prompted to worship the Lord? Or are you prompted to invite others? What's your perspective? And are you praising, who are you praising tonight? Let the Lord search your heart real and deeply and allow you to see the truth and see what you need to do, what needs to be done. Maybe tonight you need to say, God, pull me out. I'm in this pit. I'm in this place. I I need you to pull me out. Pull me out, God. Maybe tonight you feel prompted just to worship God, to come to the altar, to come to the table, to take and Take of the bread and the cup and say, man, God, you did this for me and I will thank you for this. I am prompted to come and to praise you, to get on your face before the Lord and just worship him. Maybe tonight your perspective needs to be righted. And let the Lord do that. Let the Lord work in your heart and life. And again tonight, maybe, maybe you need to lift up. You need to say, God, I want my life to be an attitude of praise. I want my life to be marked by praising you and working and living for you because of who you are, because of what you have done. And like David, I will live my life thanking you and living for you. Let's pray.